Hey, oh, wow, I'm from Portland, you know, my pops, save your gabagool. We watched Brain Smasher, a love story, which means it's time for another Portland at the movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. Now this is Portland, Oregon. I live here. This is where the rest of the story happens. And the setup. For the last time, we are not ninjas. Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined by, as always, by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm really well today. Good. And of course, Brian the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? I'm doing well, Todd. Good. So this month we have Brain Smasher, a love story starring the one and only Andrew Dice Clay and Terry Hatcher. So a young Terry Hatcher, a young Terry Hatcher. She had only done a little bit of TV and she was also in Tango and Cash. She played uh, Sylvester Stallone's sister uh, in that, but not like a not a huge, huge role. But um, yeah, at the very beginning of her career and at the very end of Andrew Dice Clay's career. So (laughs) that's an interesting intersection because this is like 1993. Although, when did he start? When did I meant to look up when Andrew Dice Clay hosted Saturday Night Live and half the uh, couple of the women uh, boycotted the uh, uh-huh. women cast members? Um, but that was around this time. But even 93 seems like that was a little a little late for the the Andrew Dice Clay. Someone explain Andrew Dice Clay. It's one of those names that like I, I know the name. I know the guy, but I, I don't really know what. he So, was. yeah. So he was a, a stand up comic uh, known for a, kind of speaking with that with that accent that he speaks, although his parents uh, in this movie also from Portland. So I don't know where they picked up this accent because they all talk like that. His dad and Seinfeld's mom. <laughs> exactly. Um, but he was known for uh, very crass and kind of misogynistic jokes and and kind of it was kind of the first maybe like the first rise of the incels kind of if you look at it mm. in a historical thing because it was very uh, aggressively macho and very uh, like it, it wasn't very displayed in this movie but like how he calls everyone chick and babe and I dated this girl and hickory dickory doc and like everything was profanity and- ADC seen through the lens of 2020 Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, and this was kind of at the time where, um, where I guess it's a little. I feel like he and Two Live Crew kind of had an apex at the same time. So it was like this renaissance of like filthy things. Tipper, I mean Tipper Gore just had the PMRC uh, things to put record to put the warning stickers on on record labels. Kind of at this time in the eighties. So I feel like this was a a blip on the cultural map of like, we're not going to take all this, whatever. And so he was just a stand-up comic. And, and like I said, he, he was Saturday Night Live once and, um, and a couple of the cast members uh, refused to go on with him. Um, but other than this movie, it, he didn't really transition into a career of any, he's still a stand-up comic. Did he have other movies? I don't really. Think- he, he was in a movie very recently that was massive. Um, <laughs> uh, I, he'll tell us that movie in a moment. In a moment. I, I think he was in, um, uh, Hollywood, uh, the, uh, once upon the, a time in Hollywood stars born. Not, oh, he not, was. Huh. Yeah. Okay. 
So he's having like a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme type. But he never, I know he still does stand up. And, and from what I've heard from all the other stand-ups, he's a very gracious, like super nice guy and all that. But his, his stand-up character was that gruff, you know, yeah. I get all the chicks and chicks are dumb and like all of that, that sort of thing. So it was interesting then to see that this movie wasn't really any of that. Because that's what he is known for. I, I kind of felt there was... was a lot of that. Uh, so, uh, uh-oh. So, <laughs> Am I going to have to recalibrate some sort of moral <laughs> moral barometer? So uh, Terry Hatcher plays a supermodel. Right. And they uh, he plays a, uh, a bouncer for, for a club in Portland. And there's so many interactions of... Well, you know, you're you're pretty good for a broad. That's true. Uh, you know, That's and, true. And uh, you're such a muscle head, and well, you're such a, you know, you got the looks. Bimbo, and she got, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, so yeah. yeah, there was some of that, but I, I guess I was gauging it on the scale of things Andrew Dice Clay was right. known he for toned saying. It, he toned it back, right? Uh, but it was definitely a, a misogynistic. Right, yeah. Uh, tone to it. Yeah, sorry. To it. That's the, a good the, clarification. The yeah. working title of this film was The Bouncer and the Lady. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's about and how much David effort Walker they put into the script. <laughs> the Bouncer and the Lady. I got very like Roadhouse, Tango and Cash, speaking of kind of those vibes. It's a very 80s movie, even though it's coming out in 93. So as you were watching it, did you realize that this movie, when it was made, it was supposed to be like a parody of all these action movies at the time? No. It was supposed to be like a satire making fun of all those Where other movies. Where did you movies. learn that? Uh, where did I read that? Well, the movie didn't tell us, so you must have learned that somewhere <laughs> no, I, else. I did read it somewhere. I think it was, might have been. Uh, there. Yeah, there were some things in the movie that was funny. We will we'll play well, that. You want to just dive yeah, in? Yeah, dive yeah. Why don't that. you explain? Yeah, so it's it's a it's kind of a martial arts love story movie. You know, you've got a <laughs> one this, of those old this uh, martial arts component and this relationship between Terry Hatcher and Andrew Dice Clay, and uh, or the the buddings of that. Well, the group of uh, of Asians are Chinese. And they're Shaolin monks, and they wear masks and dress in black and, and like the Green stuff. Hornet type masks. Yeah, uh, yeah, or like a black version of an op, uh, the Phantom of the Opera mask. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, everybody in the movie refers to them as ninjas, as ninjas, and uh, over and over and over again, and comically. They always correct them. We are not ninjas. We're and they never, they never specifically say we're Shaolin say, monks. Because I, I missed the very first thing that that is probably in this clip, and so I was always wondering what they landed on. I just knew <laughs> they Shaolin weren't monks. ninjas. Yeah, um, and I realized that I didn't. So uh, vamp for a little while. I need to oh. export this. As <laughs> I can a, talk more about Andrew yeah. Clay, I guess. Uh, he was also known for like, this is that, remember Arsenio Hall would always have those like huge leather jackets that were all crazy. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay also had like the big giant leather jacket with like a big dice on it and multicolored panels. In this one, he has a big jacket and it just says brain, brain. smasher yeah. on the back. Cause that he is a bouncer 
And that's his nickname as he constantly tells me or tells everyone. And then when he punches someone in the face at some point, someone from like off screen goes, that's why they call him the brain smasher or something like that. It's so yeah, yeah, absurd. It was somebody in line. That or, club yeah. was, so he works at that club and in line are like these like, 40 year old like they kind of look like they're out just for a nice dinner but they're all in line at the club and then inside this club what kind of music are they playing it was very 80s uh of a different like decade but synchronized you saw the, oh, the dance yes the crowd they, they went above and beyond with the extras in that scene like, I wonder if they just on their own got really tired of filming that scene for like four hours straight. Yeah, so. because they play and, and uh, we can drop in a drop in a, uh, a clip of this weird music. It's very like very bad David Bowie, like B-side labyrinth type of music kind that of, they tried to replicate. Kind of Devo-esque. And so they show this giant club that Andrew Dice Clay works at and, and they're giving this concert on stage or whatever, whatever this band is. And you see the audience is like this huge audience and they're all first kind of swaying back and forth. And you think, oh, you know, that they're at a concert and they're just swaying like that. But then like they do a couple different turns and moves all together as a group. And then you see a couple scenes where everyone's just kind of dancing on their own. But then another wide shot, they're all in a circle with like their hands out and like doing like, I didn't know if it was supposed to be a cult or, but now that you kind of lay that, that lens of if this is supposed to be a parody, yeah, that sort of makes sense. Like, haha, you know, you go to a club and you're just a member of this cool cult or whatever. So multiple reviews online call it a parody. Um, and then... It's a, there's actually a really good write-up in this book that we don't give enough love to on the show, but uh, the PD eccentric. Oh book. yes, yes. And so that's one of the films that's featured oh, good. here. Oh good, you look that up. So uh, Amy Wade's description of it says, um, uh, "Filmed as an action movie send-up, a so-called action comedy." Huh. Hmm. And but the funny thing is, like looking back at this film and other films like it at the time. Those other films are almost parodies of themselves that it's hard now to see this as a parody because it just falls right. right in line with most of those other movies. Well, and I'm trying to look up the director here. Um, oh, and the director. Yeah. Did you see what I like, I was his filmography up, so. was? His filmography is like uh, he, he was a B-movie king. Okay. Um, and he's another one who's just like cranking them out to this day. So do you think it's a... <laughs> Is that revisionist history that they're trying to do, like, this comic? I don't know. That's for us to decide right now. Although, I mean, to be fair... Oh, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, of course. That's the other thing that um, oh, yeah. that Andrew Dice Clay did. I've never seen that, but uh, that was another big a big hit of his. Uh, that was in 1990, so it was three years before that. So, um, But, yeah, I don't... There were... So, the, yeah, there's the ninja joke part. There's um, another thing about... There's another running joke about a $10,000 watch that, that Terry Hatcher gives to is Andrew that, Dice Clay as kind of a payment. You is know? that even a joke? But they keep saying, like every time they mention like who would pay $10,000 for a watch whenever the watch is talked about? And it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> is that a joke, I guess? Yeah, right. Fancy watches are expensive, I guess. I mean, the other thing that was weird was that 
opening where Andrew Dice Clay talks to the audience. That and then you think that okay, this movie's gonna be a little quirky and off kilter, but then they don't do anything with that the rest of the film. Yeah, so that when we that clip that we played at the very beginning uh, of him said, "Hey, oh, I'm from Portland" or whatever. There's like some nice uh, city shots of Portland, and then the next thing you see is Andrew Dice Clay like in a phone booth and talking to his talking to his ma. Because they're Italian. They have problems with their ma all the time. They got a call. And then like hangs up and he turns to camera and is like, oh, hello. I didn't see you come in. Or whatever to the audience. Did you notice the content of the of the phone call? I reviewed that and it's about the story. Like, Oh, really? It's, and because then he starts narrating uh, there's a, a few moments right at the beginning of the movie where you see uh, the uh, you see Terry Hatcher open the box. Oh right! And Andrew Dice Clay is narrating that part where he he says, and then the lady received the box from her sister that had the you know flower. Right. And, <laughs> and but then that stopped. Well, and, that and is a thing, and, and I kind of learned this via uh, how did this get made. They mentioned that one of the trends that they see now that they've watched all of these terrible movies is when a movie opens with exposition that tells you the story that's about to happen, you know, outside of Star yeah. Wars or anything, that's when they're going back and say, this movie doesn't make any sense. We have got to tell the audience what is happening and what is going to happen. Else none of this is going to work. <laughs> and so you do, you see it all sense. of the time, like in the terrible sci-fi movies where like even Zardoz, you know, opens with like nine, nine paragraphs of exposition from a floating head to try to tell you what's going on. So this audio clip is, uh, yeah, throughout Throughout the entire movie, there's this running gag of this ninja thing. So here's that was a the lot of vamping. super clip. Yeah, sorry. Watch with the ninjas. I told you the Chinese monks, ninjas are Japanese. Listen to me. There are Chinese ninjas after me because they want the ultimate power. We are not ninjas. Are you ignorant? Ninjas are Japanese. These guys are speaking Chinese. You are a very wise man. Mass ninjas. We are not ninjas. Let's kick some ninja butt. For the last time. We are not ninjas. Now you release that or I'll blow your ninja butts to hell. Ugh. We are not ninjas. I guess that wasn't the last time. <laughs> if I say you're ninjas, then you're ninjas. Hey, ninja. We are not ninjas. My sister says you're a ninja. You're a goddamn God ninja. <laughs> Boy, they double and triple and quadruple down on that joke. But That's now, the only way you're going to make it funny. <laughs> so now, I mean, now as I'm kind of replaying this movie in my head, thinking of the parody angle, a lot more of it does make sense. Was I like to miss that? Am I just a moron for not seeing it? No, and no. I don't think okay. I would have picked up on it either had I not started to read it. Because there are some funny parts. Like, obviously, that was meant to be a running joke, and there are some other things that are clearly meant to, but that explains, like, things like the police officers that are interrogating. So, I well, let's lay out the story a little bit. If you want to describe the, the one-sentence story, Brian? Uh, okay. Um, a botanist arrived... No, no, no. Uh... <laughs> Did she arrive in Portland? The botanist? I think the botanist lives here, and that's why Terry Hatcher had to visit her. 
Okay, a botanist who lives in Portland mailed a package to her sister, who is not in Portland, and then told her sister she needs her to come to Portland. Yeah. And she comes to Portland. Bring the package. And she brought the package. And then uh, as she meets up with her sister they in, a, in an abandoned warehouse, they are ambushed by not ninjas. Not ninjas. <laughs> and then from there, they're... The whole movie takes place, I think, in in one night, right? If, oh, oh, that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe. The, and the whole thing takes place at night, so I hope you. Yeah. I have see Portland at night. I have never seen the streets of Portland more abandoned in, in, than yeah. this movie. In every scene, like there is a horde movie. of not ninjas literally just running down the middle of Chinatown. It was funny because there's not a car in sight. They they do what a lot of films in Portland do where they try to make Portland look like a much bigger city than it really is. But yeah. then they do that and at the same time it's empty. So it yeah. looks really weird. That was a super weird choice. Um, um, but yeah, so the not ninjas are after. And then the rest of the movie is them running from the ninjas. That's about it. Uh, because she eventually... Um, runs into the nightclub to try and escape the ninjas and that's where she meets andrew dice clay who is the bouncer right and then they team up uh develop affection and are on the run for ninjas for the next uh 90 minutes the however interminably long this movie felt although it it, said, took, it claimed to be only 88 minutes but it took me four sittings to finish this <laughs> I, I kept falling asleep uh um where were we? This felt very, I guess. So the director you said did just a lot of other. Yeah, his most well-known film is a uh, cyborg with Jean Claude Van Damme. Oh wow, Albert Pune. So he was the writer director. Is that what you said? Yeah. He, has, he does have a lot of credits. He did the. He did 1990s Captain America. Yes, that that one too. Whoa! And he's got four films in production right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's got Cyborg Nemesis, The Dark Rift, City of Blood, The Kickboxer, Algiers, and Cyborg Rise of the Flesh Eaters. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, he has done... He, this has not stopped him from making movies. No. <laughs> this experience. So it was released uh, straight to video, uh, except for in Brazil. Brazil. It did open in Brazil. had a wide opening in Brazil. Um that, so I couldn't figure out the club, I guess, talking about this. But now I guess all of my complaints can sort of fall under the parody. It's like the YouTube, everyone putting the fair use thing up before their videos. This falls under that same thing except for parody. Because the club made no sense for who was inside. Do you have a clip? Can you play a clip of music? <laughs> so this music is playing in the club. This is when they're all dancing in sync. Yeah. The club looks huge. I don't know where they film this. That's uh, the Rosal. Oh, is it? Oh, wow. All right, so we're here. So, yeah, they are all dancing in, in sync. And, um, but then we get, after they get chased out of there, I, there is a scene that I really liked and that is, uh, when they escape on top of the max train and they, I forget, oh, they go to some, the sky bridge. Um, I think at, is it the one in between? It, 
it doesn't match up. Okay, with, that's what I thought. Because yeah, uh, they're jumping off the one in between the mall. It almost looks like they're jumping off of the Burnside Bridge onto the Max. Yeah. And then they end up uh, traveling, starting just north of, or uh, just west of Nordstrom. And traveling past Nordstrom, past the uh, um, Portland's living room. Portland. You know what Pioneer the Square. Square. Pioneer Square. When I was looking up, because uh, the where the old Lotus Club uh, used to be, to... Uh, that was a big. That was on the corner of I forget the two streets by the by the. It's across the street from the courthouse. Yeah, uh, one block south of it's like or one second, block north of that. Second and Sand or something. Yeah, it's no longer there. They it just recently uh, is no longer. But they had like a cool forty sign, which I always loved that huh. place. But there's a park across the street from that that is called something I had never. Oh. I had never seen before. Loud Lounsdale Square. Yeah. Was that the there's Lounsdale uh, Square? There's something else, and then there's um Terry Shrunk Plaza. But each of those three blocks' parks like have their own name. Oh, I, didn't I was know like, that. I legitimately have never seen was that the Lonsdale o- Square. Was that the Occupy Portland encampment? Yeah, oh I maybe. Think so, yeah. It wasn't all of downtown Portland <laughs> that encampment. <laughs> Um, I wish I can find. I'm gonna try to find one more music thing here. A second. That was a really cool scene, though, when they were they rode the on top of the Max for a long time. Yeah, so they did a lot of their exposition of just Terry Hatcher and Andrew Dice Clay, <laughs> and they they were really moving down the street just on top of the Max. Yeah, which I thought that was really cool. Like That's crazy, just to kind of see the town, but also yeah. a, a neat. So I was way trying to... to figure out exactly how they did that because do you think it was before like OSHA really had a stranglehold <laughs> no, on the filming because it looks it. it they are on top of a max, but the the um, electric connections weren't up. Oh right, uh, and so maybe it, well, it could have. They can do f- that on a two car max and keep the electric connections up on one, or they could have not on the other. Or they're on a fake semi truck and pulling pulling the max. There we go. Do you think it was on Mark, on top of a real max train? I or think, do you think so. They faked it, it definitely looked like a real yeah. max train. Yeah, yeah. and. I don't, I don't see why they would. why they would do it the other way when they already have the max right. train. Yeah, that was really neat. And then uh, they get off the top of the max train and they just give a really nice as the t- max train pulls out of the station. You just get to read all of get your morning moving <laughs> yeah. K 103 with Craig Walker, <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty great. But yeah, I really like that. Uh, I did wonder if Andrew Dice Clay still has the still have the jacket that says brain smasher on the back. <laughs> Uh, not once, not twice, but three times do women get kicked in the face <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Terry that Hatcher was got, shocking. got punched in the face. And too. her sister. And there was some lady at the beginning. I don't know who she was, but I just wrote someone <laughs> a flying kick to a woman's face, which was crazy. Oh, when the ninjas. So it, when we go to this club, they're playing and they're not whatever. Ninjas. They're not. Sorry. They're not ninjas. <laughs> when they. Um, they chase Terry Hatcher then into the club as well. And then the, the not ninjas just jump up on stage and like <laughs> kick the guitarist through the drum kit and they kick the lead singer woman in the face. And there's, there's no security. And it, yeah. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's uh, probably par for the course of the Roseland in the early nineties. Yeah, that's just getting true. Kicked in the face. Um, so yeah, and then I I couldn't figure out why 
not only does Andrew Dice Clay talk like he is not from the Northwest, but then they have his parents in the movie who also speak like I mean, the, oh, they all moved out together together 40 from years ago and nobody lost the accent. Their apartment looked like a stereotypical New York movie apartment. <laughs> it did, it did. Like, a, like the Set old episode Seinfeld. of the Seinfeld because yeah, it was totally. Seinfeld mom that was on that. <laughs> um, I believe Andrew Dice Clay referred to himself as a co-magnum. Instead of a Cro-Magnon. <laughs> so that was pretty great. They did have a... The the whole story, they keep referring to Terry Hatcher there, uh, as a supermodel. Like this world famous supermodel. But she is never recognized. She is never... No. Well, she, uh, no. Uh, oh. Very much so. So the dad recognized her. Said from... Uh, no, no, no. Um, the dad recognized her, but we never got a closure on that. One of the cops said, I've seen her in my lingerie magazine. Yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, catalog. And then she appears. They do, uh, the, they have a chat uh, outside of a clothing store. I did notice and that she's, she's in the there, window. And then they, they show her again on the thing. So they show ads that she's in. But I kept thinking, like, at this time, if Cindy Crawford was like just milling around, like, it would be a little bit more of a hubbub than this lady yeah. gallivanting around. And when they were in Andrew Dice Clay's apartment, he had a calendar on the wall and she's like, I'm in that calendar. I'm in that calendar. Oh. And, and he's like, oh, I might see that later. But, in December. But right before that, right before she walks in, he he's was looking through. looking through and like, oh, hubba, so hubba. I'm, I'm guessing, I don't know what this movie was rated, especially since it wasn't really released, but I bet you more than anything they were aiming for PG-13 at most because it's... Yeah. Did not have any swearing in it. That calendar that they're looking through, they had bathing suit tops because usually that's when they're like they show the nudie calendar or whatever. Yeah. And so everything was so like sanitized for who Andrew Dice Clay was. It's so weird. Yeah, I'm not sure what they were going for with this movie when it was released. And that makes you think like it was I read somewhere that it was filmed to be a theatrical release and then it was shelved for direct to video. Wow. So well, something didn't work. Well, it was, the movie did <laughs> Clearly. not work. <laughs> Clearly. Well, it, in my head, it makes sense. Like this coming out in 1993, already feeling dated. I imagine it was written several years before that. They tried to, like during the roadhouse, during the, well, then Sylvester Stallone, Stallone is doing things like stop or my mom will shoot. And like everybody, Mr. Nanny and like all of these, these huge kind of gruff men are trying to pivot into family movies right this was probably shopped around to people like stallone or even bruce willis or like some of these top tier people and they all say no and then it just kind of ends up three men and a baby i mean i think by 90 by 93 it kind of missed its mark if it was a parody like this is after all of those movies were pretty much run its course anyway yeah it would have felt really weird so it didn't other other than the actual actions that were happening the movie didn't feel like a parody. And I, I don't know how to explain that, but other like when they at, at some point, the police uh, take Terry Hatcher in for questioning after some big not ninja fight. I forget how she ends up being questioned, but these two policemen are like being 
completely mm-hmm. abusive to this woman who is trying to tell them like it's the not ninjas or whatever. And they looked very stereotypical, like police detectives with their fedoras in the smoky room. Yeah. And they were like roughing her up and asking her, why are you lying? And right. So that makes sense as a parody, kind but of. only if you do it as a parody, parody. like, right. A parody doesn't work just by switching out work. It, I, so it kind of feels like, you know, when Tommy Wiseau was like, of course it was supposed to be a black comedy. Right, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I wonder. But the script only makes sense if it was meant to be a parody. Else it is too weird to. Maybe it was a parody on paper and then it didn't translate and they didn't realize <laughs> they were making a parody when they shot it. Well, this I did have a couple notes. Um, last month, we had a really great conversation with David Walker, uh, who was in here and talked a little bit about being on the set of Brain Smasher, which is why we're doing it, doing it this month. And so I asked him this last week, you know, any any more thoughts um, about uh, Brain Smasher that you want everyone to know? <laughs> but it was so great. He just sent Terry Hatcher had a herpes flare up. Andrew Dice Clay is surprisingly effeminate when he thinks no one is watching. (laughs) (laughs) Just to the point. So that was pretty great. Uh, He then sent up a follow-up note uh, saying Albert Pune, the director, had this thing about taking, uh, had a thing about talking directly to the crew on set and he didn't like it. Uh, Someone told him he didn't like, someone said he didn't like to call action and one night I, David Walker, was on the set and he w- David was in charge of doing takes for him. The director would whisper in David's ear, say, roll camera, and then David would give the directions. What? It was weird but really cool. And so I said, oh, wow, he's from the George Lucas school of directing of like, if I forget to, if I forget to say cut, then, then you can step in and, and say cut. <laughs> Jeez. So that's, that's crazy. That would make sense then as something as difficult to construct as parody and satire yeah. would be hard to do if you're through not through the lens of a director who's not committed <laughs> or talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty great. Huh? Um, Can we talk about the greatest kill in this movie? Oh yes. Do you remember the scene where the not ninja that's pause uh speaking of the not nerd pod i'm just like thinking, i know we need the not ninja podcast <laughs> not ninja yes pod- <laughs> uh, for but, chinese shaolin monks but when the not ninja threw a bullet through a man's head <laughs> he caught a bullet and then threw it back <laughs> into a guy's skull and every time they they uh one would ca- and this happened a couple times where they would catch a bullet and then they'd show it and the bullet casings were still in it yeah which means so it you would know it was a fired. bullet <laughs> um but they do have the the not ninjas in this movie during the chase throughout the movie. They all have these superhuman skills and their pursuit is of this magical flower that the uh, Terry Hatcher, Hatcher's botanist sister has found somewhere kind of like the Batman flower at the beginning of Batman Begins. Um, and that will give them ultimate power. But it looks like they're doing pretty well. I mean, they could jump very very high they can stop bullets they can do all sorts of things when that first guy jumped and the rest of the not ninjas applauded for him <laughs> that was i was gonna spit take that was really funny there were a couple of funny moments in this i do admit that that was their job they came along just to be the clappers <laughs> just to be 
the audience. Uh, uh, let's talk locations. Yeah. Yes. There were some good ones. Mary's Club. Mary's Club. <laughs> Mary's what? Club was massively. Which uh, one was Mary? I've never been to so, Mary's Club. Uh, Whatever. Sure. <laughs> what it was? Never been. Mary's Club? What? I don't. So, uh, where they where she said it was the Guild Theater, and I'm ne- I'll I'll go in the Guild Theater and wait for the car. Okay. And then there and she was sits down and has club. water. Has water. Dice comes in. That's, that's the Mary's inside club. of Mary's. Oh, yeah, that's, that's much Mary's. bigger than I always like. Everyone said it was like so super duper tiny. Well, they make it's it look so big on camera. Okay. Yeah. It's small. Okay. But then she oh, goes well, backstage. You go backstage. I've never been yeah. backstage at Mary's. And that terrifying whoever she was, was showed up in the movie and chased everyone away. Not Darcel. So the, <laughs> the not Darcel. So is there a guild theater? I feel like that. There is. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. But not that the interior that. was Mary's club. Then. Right. Okay. And I, and I don't think that uh, the guild theater has ever been opened uh, since I've been in Portland, except for it just opened in the past like a uh, couple months. Where is it? Um, it is, uh, what is the park? Uh, Director Park downtown? Yeah, by Fox Tower. Okay. So yeah. it's next to the Fox Theater that yeah. was shown in this. Yeah, okay. Right. That's what I thought. But then they never, it was kind of clever because they never showed them in the same shot. So they used the Fox Theater as a location and the Guild Theater right. as a location, yeah. which was nice. Um, but right now, the Guild Theater is a Japanese bookstore. Oh, mm. wow. It's a That's really cool. cool, authentic Japanese bookstore. And they, most of the books in there are just strictly in Japanese, but they have a little cafe in the back and they have Japanese treats and candies and oh, stuff. That's cool. Oh, wow. It's you can cool. do Tai Chi and then giant chess <laughs> in that park. <laughs> um, oh, so locations. Yeah, so we had that. We had. Um, that zebra lounge, which is where he worked at, I, there's a lot of Chinatown in here cause they show yeah. the, what do you call the arch? I guess that goes over the road for, yeah, for yeah, Chinatown. The to Chinatown. Yeah. And I'll saw some of the restaurants and I felt like that club was down like on, on Cooch and second is, or is third that the, or something. Is that the first time they've used the Chinatown arch to represent a, a in theory, larger Chinatown? I think so. And is it the first time we've seen those arches? I feel like, or not maybe i just felt like oh wow i've never seen them it could be kind of maybe it was just the shot that was kind of nice i i guess of it um where else do we have well we had that skywalk that i think was between the um why am i blanking on the name of the mall downtown pioneer Pioneer, Pioneer, Pioneer. so i think they is there by world trade center is there a skywalk there is but but that's not by the max like that yeah Yeah. okay and the one one at pioneer square uh, is covered. Uh, it's it's. I felt like they did tube. part of the chase in the Pioneer Square one. Yeah, but then you're right. I think they cut out. They cut to the Burnside Bridge where they actually jumped on top of the right. Max. Um, I guess I can look again, but you don't see a whole lot from the Max. You see a lot of parking parking structures go by. Right, but that just kind of goes up um, up and down the street. Where else? Um, the church at the end. Yes. Um, that is St. Patrick's Church downtown. Is it St. Patrick's or St. Luke's? Um, well, if we go by Amy Wade and her research in PD eccentric, it is St. Patrick's Church. Ah, okay. Cause it is called St. Luke's in the thing. And then I looked up St. Luke's Portland on Google and it looked like the same interior. Oh, so interesting. Further investigation will go, but I'm going to defer to the woman who actually wrote the book on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they s- switch saints. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> That's good. We don't like Luke anymore. <laughs> He's passe. Uh, the Lotus Lounge, which is um, uh, downtown there by the courthouse. That was an appropriate use of a uh, plot point. Yeah. Lotus, Lotus. Lotus. Yeah. <laughs> Say noisily. Uh, there was uh, an opening shot, establishing shot um, of Portland. Yeah. And I wonder if, because the copy we had, how did we, is that off of VHS? Where did we get that? Uh, we found this through some internet means. Of, yeah. Fell off the back of a truck somewhere. Because it was clearly four by three, but I wonder if the movie couldn't possibly have been filmed well it was filmed because i wonder, a theatrical release right well then yeah so it would be widescreen but the version we thought was yeah was but it was only ever released in video in brazil <laughs> i wonder how many people in brazil saw this movie what <laughs> if we can find a 35 millimeter print somewhere oh, that'd be amazing <laughs> oh, wow oh oh okay sorry <laughs> are we <laughs> done with locations there's the sure. roosevelt Hel- uh, roosevelt hotel and the is there a hamilton hotel around here somewhere or at least used to be that was one of the that was one of the signs in in the movie was a Hamilton hotel. We'll I say yes. Sure. Yeah. So I got excited because so this movie is going on and blah 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 and it's taking forever and at uh, the, the very end there's a standoff in the club. The club is empty except for um, Terry Hatcher and her sister, the bad guys who have Andrew Dice Clay as a hostage. The sisters have the the magical flower and there's a standoff. There's some fighting, blah, blah, blah. Andrew Dice Clay kicks the bad guy in the face <gasps> and the guy's face, face implodes morphs. into Maz Katana's <laughs> butthole eyes. That's exactly that the what, only way. That's exactly what it, it is. It is exactly like. the same as that as Maz Katana and her butthole eyes. Yes. It was. I don't think it was a kick. I think it was a punch though. It was a punch. I think it was a yeah. punch. Oh, and that's when and whoever then, was standing next to it was like, now that's what I call a brain, brain smasher. smasher. And then she I'm said. like, oh, that's like this, his secret power. He did the brain smasher it's move. just to <laughs> deflate somebody's face, which didn't n- kill him. He was up and kind of walking around a little bit after that. It reminds me of something you would have seen in uh, the Dick Tracy movie. It yes. does. Yeah. Yes. He's sitting next to, weird. next to Prune Face and <laughs> Al Pacino. Brain smash, Prune Face. <laughs> Mumbles. <laughs> uh, he started about Dick Tracy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Madonna's got Madonna, but I'll never stop. Um, yeah, that was... That was I had already finished kind of taking notes and set my notebook to the side, and I I had to make more room for all the explanation <laughs> exclamation points I put in for having someone's face kicked in. That yeah. was so nuts. I wrote down brain smasher. That's what it means. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. That I should make a gif of that. Maybe. That was that was yes. a good payoff for the title of the film. Not it, it, it wasn't was. just his name. It was his move. It was yeah. It was his secret power. <laughs> Oh, but then, man. but then, uh, the guy is like blinded. He can't see, and he he's fumbling around, and he that's when he eats the flower. Oh yeah, but yeah. the flower was not the flower anymore. Yeah, it they was, switched it. It was a poison one that it, she found at the hotel, <laughs> conveniently, to fit in this in this rune type. She is a botanist. Uh, she she is, that is true. She is a botanist. She would know the poisonous flowers that look just like lotuses yeah there were a lot of jokes about how like terry hatcher's a supermodel but she can read type like (laughs) you wouldn't expect her to walk upright and be attractive (laughs) type thing she calls herself a bimbo like so many times yeah i did like um so at the end when she ends up at um saint luke's or saint 
Christopher Patrick's. Reserve, St. Patrick's. She's at that point, I forget why, but wearing like um, kind of spandex biker shorts and like a little biker top, like very 90s. And she walks in to the church and is going to head down the aisle, but then like kind of stops and she kind of pulls down her bicycle yeah. shorts just a tiny bit more and puts on some holy water. I thought that was really kind of funny. <laughs> it was funny. Like that was one of the parts of the movie where I fell asleep is when she was uh, changing into her stripper outfit at Mary's. Oh, right. And, and then when I started watching the movie again, I was like, why is she suddenly dressed like a stripper? <laughs> and like, I missed that too on because uh, I looked down and then when I looked up again, Terry Hatcher had like a, a long brown wig on and then was doing something or other. And then the not Darcel shows up, <laughs> kicks everybody out, out of the club. Oh, oh, one thing that I did notice um, uh, going back to locations, um, Portland, we used to have a Sabaro downtown and it was only a block away from my office. <laughs> I just find that fascinating <laughs> nice. that there was a brick and mortar. They had one, oh, a brick and mortar. Yeah, they not had in a mall. mall. Wow. Brick and mortar downtown Sabaro. That's truly unusual. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Sabaro. Where would where would uh Italian food be? Italian, I was going to say baseball games. It's the only other place you can find a Sabaro is the mall and it's, it's some sports arena. Um And then we came to a halt. I just I I had so many notes about that club and every time I look at them it, I just keep milling it over in my head like I guess it was parody. I guess it was parody. <laughs> Because even the people standing out in line who are like, those are like the 40 year old, but then inside the club, it's like all cool people or like whatever that would be at in 1993. But then going back outside, there's some roughnecks that come up to Andrew Dice Clay and like that's where they get in a fight or whatever and Andrew Dice Clay lays them all out. And the crowd standing in line is a horrified at like this display of violence they're like the one of the husbands is like cradling the wife and they're like looking away and it like he didn't even brain smash him he just sort of like punched <laughs> them out i could get it if like if they did the butthole eye things and, like that's very scary but this it was just like you're at a club like two o'clock in the morning downtown like someone's gonna get punched <laughs> right <laughs> Uh, there was a line I thought that was funny when um, they were in uh, his parents' apartment and there's a knock on the door and it's the not ninjas and she looks through the <laughs> keyhole and she's like, we didn't order Chinese. <laughs> like the only reason a Chinese person would be at your door is because... But of... then the dad did know at some point that they weren't... He's one of the people who said, they're not ninjas. Ninjas are Japanese. You're they're not, Chinese. You're so ignorant. <laughs> he says in his, his <laughs> Brooklyn accent... Uh, what else did I have? At the, so at the towards the end, where Andrew Dice Clay and and Terry Hatcher escape barely from from one of the groups of the Not Ninjas, they're like, I think it's when Terry Hatcher locks them in the elevator and they run out. And as soon as they get out to the hallway, like they stop, and Terry Hatcher's like, "Oh, I need a mas- I need a massage." <laughs> Like an, like an upper shoulder massage. And she's like, I just can't go on without it or whatever she says. And so Andrew Desclay does it. And then they and And, and he got a little close to her. I think they, they were trying to introduce ideas of intimacy between the two. Oh. Because they had, he, he massaged her and then he started to get a little close. And then she They had to take themselves away. back yeah, out right, of it. Right. And so okay. they were trying to build on this romance thing 
Uh, yeah, they th- did not have a lot of chemistry. No. <laughs> and and they even admitted they're like, well, you know, I'm not your type. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. End of transaction. <laughs> Movie over. But yeah, that was a very weird moment where you're running from your life, but all of a sudden you have to get like a mild shoulder <laughs> massage in the hallway before you can kind of kick in my neck, <laughs> run away what? some more. Uh, Did you catch the reversal of tropes at the end where it was Andrew Dice Clay who was kidnapped and then they had to rescue the guy? Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Very progressive. I know. Andrew but, Dice Clay. Yep. See, that's what he was trying to do. I'm, uh, that, I mean, that trying totally to makes unravel. sense. He's trying to undo some of that public image that's mm-hmm. not allowing him to kind of take that next step into, into his career. So... But again, yeah, I've, I've heard other other standups talk about him and talk about him. He's nice and very generous and helps out like the new the newer comics, shows them the ropes and all that. So I guess go see his standup. I wonder what his standup would be like at this point in 2020. <laughs> I don't know if the world could handle <laughs> handle Andrew Dice Clay. Brought to you by Me Too. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Is there more to say, Mark? You like you enjoyed this movie, you said. Yeah, you know, I I didn't hate this movie. Right, it, it had a plot. It was very Portland esque. Was um, and uh, it did I, have a very nice A to B to C plot that yeah. was easily followable and not a lot. Well, I think it helped that it took place in the span of one night. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it, true. It, it had a very fast pace. There was like a kinetic energy that just pushed yeah. it forward. Like they were always moving. Um, and I don't know in the, in the grand scheme of Portland movies, this one kind of felt like right in the middle of the yeah. pack to me. It's like an action breaking in. Yeah. <laughs> breaking in if it had more action. More. Yeah. <laughs> and not, and not a, a, a parody, a perfect slice of satire and parody <laughs> like this movie apparently was. Yeah. I'd uh, say like, if you are looking for obscure Portland things to watch, you know, to, to round out your portland history there you go uh then then this could be part of it right you could do a lot worse you yeah. could do a lot worse and i mean in in light of the fact that this this whole parody thing is blowing my, blowing my mind but what a missed opportunity because i think i think andrew dice clay could have pulled stuff and terry hatcher is a, is a good actress i think they could have pulled something off had they i just feel like they weren't really given my, or maybe they didn't want to be there or maybe I don't know. I, don't, I just feel like no one was invested ex, in, except for the not the not ninjas right. who were all very delightful. I think if they had gone a little bit more over the top with the parody, like made this more like a loaded weapon type movie. Yeah. Well, because at the at the moments where they are catching bullets and like jumping these heights, you're not sure. Well, are they I kept running. Are they magic? Like I didn't yeah. understand the rules of the Shaolin, Shaolin monks. I mean, I've seen Shaolin soccer or whatever the movie is called. Um, but yeah, that none of that was really explained other than for the fact that it was the joke to call them like we're not ninjas. But oh, well. Did the, the director wrote this as well? Is that what you said? Uh, or not? Let's Am double I miss, check that. that I, I don't remember. Miss, but yes, he did. Written and directed. Well, that's very strange. Mm. And maybe it's just a, I mean, I don't know where the director is, is from. Maybe, maybe it's just a lost in translation. (laughs) He's from Brooklyn. That was, yeah. And why would they come to Portland? 
Well, like, why not? Never, yeah, why you have the Andrew Dice Clay? Why was this movie set in Portland? Why That's a really are you good going question. to Portland? Like, I kept expecting Andrew Dice Clay to be like, and I just, I just got here, and I'm a stranger this town too, or whatever. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Need to work on my born and raised. <laughs> born and raised. <laughs> Went to David Douglas High. <laughs> Lewis and Clark College. Oh, here I am. Funny. So here's a cool bit of trivia about the director. Ooh. He was attached to both Masters of the Universe 2, which never happened. Uh, and when Canon Films had the rights to Spider-Man, he was going to direct Spider-Man. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. But then Canon Films went out of business for embezzlement and making terrible movies like Masters of the Universe. Wow, that's super interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still can't get over that. He did the, that 90s Captain America one, too. Yep. Wow. Well, is there any... I did find... Yeah. So I, I looked up um, mostly the actors, because one thing I really like to do with all these movies is look up the credits for all the actors in the movie, because some of them end up being like, I've been in every Portland movie ever made, and then we add a couple to our list. And I got one new movie out of the actors in this Ooh. film. Um, there is a 2012 film called Sacred, um, and it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. And I recognize one of the names in the credits thinking it was the sheriff from Goonies, whose name I always <laughs> Carl forget. Perkins, Carl Perkins, something like that. <laughs> and every, he's in every movie too, and I always forget. But Russ Fast, I recognized his name, and so I looked him up, and he has already been in, this is the fifth movie of his that we've done on this show and he's got a bunch more. So he's been in Last Innocent Man. He was in The Haunting of Sarah Hardy. He was in Breaking In. He was in Dr. Giggles. And he was in Brain Smasher. And he's at this new movie that I'm looking at on I the know, table. I know. I think we're going to have to like close out our Russ. What is it? Russ Wilson? Russ Fast. Russ Fast. We're going to have to close out our Russ Fast uh, filmography. And, he and could have been king. I should look into I don't know if he passed away, but his, his IMDb... Uh, thing just ends in 1997 so I don't know if if he exited the game or if something happened or if he just got a job or yeah. <laughs> what happened so <laughs> so we've tracked down this film um, this is a, a European VHS of a movie titled Murder Run which uh, I didn't at all have any familiarity with until you told me the title that we know because we know it as Rockaday Ritchie and uh, something something at the hop. hop yeah which is <laughs> sounds like an american graffiti knockoff but, but then this movie walked in murder run murder run it is written and produced by don gronquist of unhinged fame mm-hmm. um and this one uh the plot takes place in 1958 and a couple is on the run and they go on a killing spree and it's got an awesome cover too like this illustrated cover and i'm just realizing that they Murder Run is written in the same way that Midnight Run, the Charles uh, Grodin, um, I forget who the other guy in that movie was right now, uh, movie from the the early late 80s, early 90s too. So I wonder if that was meant to jump on the popularity of that movie. So that will be exciting. We'll just need to find somebody that can take it from PAL to NTSC for us. Yeah. Hunt down the same people who did uh, Fatal Revenge for us. I, it looks like Mark might have found something. Oh, nice. Uh, it's only recent. Uh, just one year ago. Oh. Um, oh, wow. Died last year. Almost to the week. Huh. Wow. 
Well, good for him. He was in a lot of our movies. So congratulations to you, Russ Fast. Portland of the Movies Hall of Fame. Portland, we do. We need to start a little Hall of Fame for all these all these wonderful people we've been inviting into our lives each and every month. Any last thoughts about Brain Smasher, a love story? It's appropriate that we watch it in, uh, right after Valentine's Day. It's a love story. <laughs> it is a love story. It says so right in the title. I almost forgot. They have so little chemistry. I almost forgot they ended up together. They had to put it in the title. (laughs) One of the things they had to do at the end to tell the audience, these two people will be falling in love. There was a time when I think, didn't they directly ask Terry Hatcher, like, will you have his babies? And (laughs) she was kind of like, she's like, slow down. I just met him a couple hours ago. Uh, Say it. Say you love him. Yeah, it was it was fine. It was fine fine it was fine it wasn't quite as good i know i know david walker talked it up a little bit but i'm sure that's because he has wonderful memories of calling action and cut on the (laughs) on the set for the director um but yes not a not a it's a very interesting very obscure thing to it's not going to be my first recommendation to someone if they want to get into portland films but it might be my fifth yeah there you go well it's it's just the fact that it stars andrew dice clay and terry hatcher makes it in that five i think um so well thanks you for listening um the unipiper are you busy what's going on with you what do you have coming up um i am going to be giving some money away soon ah yeah we've got uh thousands of dollars uh to give away to some lucky portlander we are we're looking at the pile on the table right now it's all ones (laughs) You brought it in a huge bag. Because, yeah, we're giving it away at a place called Mary's, Mary's Club. <laughs> From what I hear about that place, you'll need to get that turned into quarters. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, if you're not already signed up uh, and following Weird Portland United, you should do so now so you can uh, learn about how you might be able to get some of that money for yourself. Very cool. And well, yeah. while they're doing weirdportlandunited.org. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Mark, what about you? Well, you and I uh, share a podcast called the Mark and Toddcast, and you can find us at markandtoddcast.com or on our Facebook page. And um, uh, we talk about things in Portland and things that are uh, science-y. Yes. So we just talked to uh, a scientist from the uh, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, uh, and he's on loan to them from it's still so funny he's on loan <laughs> from the USDA like, like he's going from museum to museum and next to King Tut's tomb the and, Steve collection yeah the Steve collection and so uh, Steve uh, gave us great information about COVID-19 or the disease it wasn't even named it wasn't yet. named at it was that named time. hours after I had already written everything up and published <laughs> I, it. I listened to that episode already and I gotta say it's one of the best uh, Mark and Todd cast episodes wow, I think well, I've thank you. never heard your, yes your former roommate Steve he yeah. was on loan for from Brian's old house to the, Mark and <laughs> to the USDA, <laughs> to the CDC, to the Mark and Todd guest. Yeah. So check out the Mark and Todd guest. Yes. Um, and check us out on Fun Employment Radio. Check out the other shows on there. Brian and Sarah. Brian and Sarah. Go to Brian and Sarah's house where you can talk about movies all day long. Greg and Sarah uh, do a show every day. So check them out. Um, oh, and if you are listening to this in February, so come check me out on the 29th at the Eagles Lodge. Where leap I will day. be at a V yes leap day easy at the, to remember at the Eagles Lodge I will be uh, at the VHS swap there so Sweet. come nice. buy some amazing VHS tapes from me um, I might have a copy of Forest Warrior as I have 
multiple copies of that somehow That's on VHS. That's crazy. I love that movie. So um, other than that, uh, you can go to portlandatthemovies.com and on Facebook, we're there too. I'm going to play one of the Not David Bowie songs from the movie about the Not Ninjas. Uh, we will see you guys later. <laughs> Is the life on Mars?